there's like a whole bunch of these yamas and one of the yamas is self-study. And so this idea that we're, re we're really doing with yoga, including with the movement practice, is learning about ourselves, which I think completely ties into personal growth. Welcome to the Level Up Growth Podcast, the podcast where you can learn ways to take your personal development and growth a step further so that you can be the person you want to be and have the life you want to have. I'm Grace, a naturopathic doctor. And I'm Kelsey, a registered clinical counselor. We've both been on and continue to be on our own personal growth journeys. And on this show, we'll explore a range of topics that we can all use to level up our minds, bodies, emotions, and spirit. So let's get started on today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. This is a Level Up Growth podcast with Kelsey and Grace. And this week, we're going to be talking about yoga specifically, but also kind of movement in general and how that can relate to personal growth. So this is kind of our topic because Kelsey is hosting a very exciting workshop with Lululemon that involves yoga and mindfulness. Yeah. So, well, I guess this episode will come out after I've already done the workshop, but I'm doing a workshop, a one hour workshop with Lululemon and Kaya Health Center that I practice out of in Vancouver here. And we are doing a 30 minute yoga followed by a 30 minute mental health talk. And the theme of the, the workshop is going to be self-compassion, of course, because <laughs> one of my favorites, but also because it, it relates so greatly to both things. And it was very easy for me to plan yoga as well as the talk around it. And I'm really excited for it. The event sold out really quickly. So very thankful for the support. And when I was kind of been prepping this, I was thinking a lot about how yoga is so much more than movement, even though that's what the majority of Western culture seems to use it for as like exercise or movement or stretching when that is actually just a small part. The asanas are just a small part of what yoga actually is. Yeah. So can you talk more about what, what the non-physical parts are? Yeah, so there are a couple things. So meditation is part of yoga, right? So, I mean, yoga falls under the branch of mindfulness. And so if you were to like practice in the sequence that you're kind of quote unquote supposed to practice in, you would do asana practice, your movement. Then you would do pranayama so a breathing technique and then you would meditate and oh so, i didn't know that yeah and so and then of course most of us do it totally differently and I, I i will totally admit that i don't normally practice that way just because i'm you know try to fit in all these things into my day and you can't always necessarily do it but that is the kind of the way the idea is that the asana practice is setting you up to be able to meditate deeper and so that's why you do it in that order which is really interesting and then some other interesting parts of yoga that are not movement-based. So there's kriyas, which can include some movement, but kriyas are just like daily practices. So it also can include things like brushing your teeth and kind of like your activities of daily living, like, or like cleaning your ears, or there's a really cool technique called eye palming that I like. Basically you rub your palms together really quickly. And then when you've generated a lot of heat, you put them over your eyes, keeping your eyes open. And it's supposed to kind of, oh. yeah. Um, improve vision, that kind of thing. So th there's all kinds of these kriyas and and anything that's kind of like a daily routine or part of like a, a daily practice that is life enhancing could be a kriya. So that's really okay. interesting. And then the last thing that I think we'll probably talk about a lot during this episode is there's like a whole bunch of these yamas. And one of the yamas is self-study. 
And so this idea that we're we're really doing with yoga, including with the movement practice, is learning about ourselves, which I think completely ties into personal growth. Yeah, just to touch back on the the kriyas, I think you called it, Kelsey. Mm-hmm. It sounds like rituals. So anything ah. that you like, kind of attach meaning to, right? And rituals are so powerful, as we already know, even though they are so seemingly very small, but they actually have a lot of effect on our behavior. Yeah, they totally do, and I think that's why they're kind of part of of yoga, really. Right? It's like these are rituals that are helpful. Mm-hmm. And I think like I some of them, it's, some of them seem silly when I say things like, oh, it's like includes like brushing your teeth. But you have to remember, like this was, you know, this stuff started in India hundreds of years ago. And, they, you know, those weren't common practices. And so, yeah. you know, they've just those are things I've just carried through. Yeah, actually, it doesn't sound that silly because I mean, like for me, brush my teeth is kind of part of my ritual. Like I do attach yeah. certain things to it like it. Well, I just mean like the morning doesn't feel complete if I don't brush my teeth because it's just Mm -hmm. part of my like basic hygiene. Right. And it's just like, oh, I feel like I'm not ready. Right. Like I haven't woken up kind of thing. So that is important, actually, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Because sometimes I will skip brushing my teeth. Right. If I'm traveling and there's just like no access or whatever. Right. For whatever reason, Mm. I just feel so unkept. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So it's not so silly, but for everyone listening, Kelsey is a certified yoga teacher, which is super cool. I myself have done yoga as in, I have gone to classes, but I'm not an avid yoga practicer, I would say. Although one time I used to volunteer at the women's health collective and they had a yoga teacher volunteer and do classes once a week. And then actually not one time, there's a few times where she didn't show up. So they asked me to teach it. And I literally (laughs) was like, okay. I just like went through whatever movements that I have seen and remembered right. from my yoga. But I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's so funny. Yeah. But my experience with yoga is, I mean, I, I think because I don't do it that much and I'm not one that kind of gravitates towards it, I would imagine that I would benefit greatly from it because <laughs> I – feel very antsy doing it, you know, which I think Uh. is a very common feeling um, in that I'm not like any kind of static movement. So even Pilates, I'll feel quite antsy doing it because you're holding a lot, right? And so it's very, it's much more controlled and intentional versus things I'm usually doing. So things like resistance training and running Mm -hmm. are kind of like you're always in motion, I guess, is what it is. And so Yeah, I know that that's something that I could probably improve on (laughs) my busy mind translating into like my not wanting to do yoga, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's where the the, concept of self-study really comes in of like when you're doing this practice, what are you noticing about your thoughts and feelings? Are you feeling antsy or bored or, you know, or are you looking around the class trying like, am I doing this better than other people? I think you can, you can take that time to reflect while you're in the poses or, you know, depending on the type of yoga, some yoga is like a little faster paced than other types. And depending on the class that you're particularly going to, but but definitely at the end when you're laying Shavasana, like that's a great moment to also just reflect what, what was that practice like for you? You know, what, what did you notice? Yeah. And I think that's really nice because it, it feels, because it is a form of mindfulness, right? But it's different than say me sitting on my couch and 
budgeting a time, let's say budgeting, budgeting a time to listen to a guided meditation. It is different, right? Because you're much more, well, maybe not. I was going to say you're much more in your body, but not necessarily. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So how can people use yoga as a means to personal growth um, when they're actually practicing? So yeah, knowing that, oh, it does develop or it does kind of enhance our self-awareness. How does that actually look? Yeah. So, you know, if you have a great yoga teacher, they will cue a lot of this stuff. The problem is there's so many yoga teachers right now and everybody's training is a little bit different. And so I'm not saying that anybody's a bad yoga teacher, just saying that not everybody maybe has like, as like, I went through pretty good training, I would say, but they really, you know, they, I had to read all the yoga sutras of Patanjali and, you know, I had to do all like the, the deeper work and, and learning around it. And they really, the program I took also really encouraged like the self-study. So again, a great, a great teacher might cue it so that you are kind of going in and reflecting. If you're not being cued for it, there's, it's totally fine. It's hard, I think, to teach big classes. I usually teach people one-on-one. -on -one, so right. yeah. So, you know, I think it's just starting to go in and what are you noticing as you're doing a pose? What are you noticing about your mind? What are you noticing about your body? Are those things in sync? Are they not? What are you noticing about your breath, right? Like the movement is all connected to your breath. Is your breath in line with the movement? Are you struggling with that? What emotions are coming up for you as you think about that? You know, some with some yoga poses, people will like start to cry or like have an emotional release. Um, that's really common. And something most people don't talk about, it's also just noticing what is that pose bringing up for you if you're having any kind of emotional release, whether you're suddenly feeling angry or you're feeling really sad or really joyous. What is happening? Just really taking that time to notice that. Grace, I know you love journaling and, you know, sometimes it's, it can be really helpful to journal after yoga as, as a, a sauna mm. practice anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's so interesting. I never even thought about journaling after yoga. I think. For me, when I've done it, I'm usually, not always, I'm usually like, when is this over? <laughs> and I, I know that sounds not so great. And it's, I understand the value of yoga and like why people really enjoy it. I just, I struggle a lot with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is a common experience as well. Not for everyone, obviously. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's interesting. I sometimes have that thought of, oh, when is it over when the class is like really hard? I'm okay. literally like pushing, like doing poses that are harder than I would normally do and actually seeing if I can do them, which with practice, you can get into more poses. So, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and sometimes you have to kind of to challenge yourself a little bit. But then also, yeah, taking the time to notice what is it that makes you what is this thought about? of I want this class to be over? Is it because it's really hard? Is it because you're bored and it's maybe not the right type of yoga for you or, you know, because there's so many different styles or is it because you just have a big to-do list today and you just want to get on to the next thing? Like, I think that's where this idea of self-study and self-awareness is so helpful and so interesting. Mm -hmm. That is really interesting. What if someone has never done yoga before? Because I think that at least I think where we live, and this might be just my own perception of it, it's, I don't know, I think this is my own perception of it. It's like people that do yoga are this certain type of person. So mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Especially yeah. like we live in the lower mainland. So like it's, 
how would I describe them? They like are someone that shops at Lululemon. They're quite yeah. slim. Um, they're quite flexible and able, like, you know, able-bodied, like all of these mm. things. That's kind of the image I see, especially like Western yoga, obviously. Yeah. You know, that's like where we are. And so I think that can be intimidating to a lot of people to yeah. even kind of go to their first class because usually what people wear to yoga not that someone has to wear this but you know when everyone's wearing the same thing you kind of feel pressure to right mm. it's like everyone's wearing leggings or very form-fitting clothes mm-hmm. which in one way is you know functional because you're moving so it, mm. you don't want clothing to get in your way but I think it can be intimidating as well yeah the clothes part is definitely a, a functional thing it is I find it easier to move when I wear tight-fitting clothes in yoga. That being said, anything that if your clothes are looser and that still allows you to move, right? The idea is that you need to be able to move. So it doesn't really matter what you're wearing as long as you can move. So you can wear sweatpants and a t-shirt if that's comfortable for you, right? I think, you know, you're right. There's this, the type of people that gravitate toward yoga and they're really just gravitating towards the movement exercise aspect of it. I mean, I'm not saying everybody, but a large percentage are not coming for the self-study and the pranayama and the kriya and the meditation. Those things aren't even usually taught in like most yoga classes. So, you know, I think it can be intimidating for anybody who doesn't like fit into the mold of what a yogi should be or what if someone who takes yoga should look like or be like or be interested in and the truth is there's lots of yoga right now that's like there's a big movement to try to make it more accessible in the west in that you know there's lots of teachers who will teach yoga for any body size for you know making sure that it is culturally and and ethnically diverse and inclusive trauma-informed yoga is a really big one that is definitely the type that i practice is that idea of i don't know who well, I mean, obviously when I teach one-on-one, I know if that person right. is or not, and I do a lot of that. So, because I include it in my clinical practice as well, but for, you know, like this workshop I'm teaching Lululemon, I don't know who there has trauma. So I'm just going to assume that everybody does. And the way I'm going to cue is going to make it safe for everyone. And also the poses that I'm going to use are ones that are safe for the majority of people. Obviously, you can never be perfect, so I'm not trying to be perfect in that, but trying to make it as inclusive as possible. I think, you know, those are really important things to consider. So, you know, if you're if you've never practiced yoga before and you're really interested in it, a couple things you can do. One, you can just go online, like on YouTube. There are so many yoga teachers who post on there. So you can just like start. This is what I did when I started doing yoga is just did it at home. Right. And it was like great because I could fit into my day whenever I needed to. I could do short classes. I start off by doing like 15 to 20 minutes where you can ease yourself into it. Yeah. And then you don't have to worry about who else is around you or watching you or with you. And then if you want to go to classes, again, kind of looking around at different yoga studios and seeing, you know, who is offering things like trauma-informed yoga, who, when you walk into all the yoga teachers look the same, or is there some diversity in, mm-hmm. you know, everything from, from body to yeah to race to sexual orientation right okay yeah I think it's I don't know it's like I definitely understand the sentiment like you can do it at home it's I find it harder to be accountable maintain consistency Uh. at least for me not for everyone right I know a lot of people work out at home too right in Mm -hmm. terms of like they do these circuits at home on YouTube yeah, that's all. 
okay. <laughs> Right at heart, because yeah. I've even done like I've done those thirty day challenges on YouTube with yoga, mm-hmm. and I just find it difficult to adhere or like maintain consistency with it because I guess it's because I need that external accountability for this aspect versus like a lot of people they don't need that, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and and you know, working out at home or doing any kind of I mean, some people struggle to meditate all the time, and these are things just normal. Right. Things that we all struggle with. And yeah, maybe at home isn't for everyone. And that's when I think looking for that yoga studio who does have the the things that you are looking for in yoga that maybe is beyond just movement with a bunch of skinny white people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. That is literally what it is. It's so messed (laughs) up. I'm like, how did it become like this? Even like gyms. I'm like, I mean, yeah, I'm like, this is so intimidating. Mm. I understand why people don't want to because yeah I don't know it's just like such a barrier mm-hmm. totally you know and and, and also I, mean, I know I fit the perception of like skinny white person so it's kind of funny for me to say that <laughs> I know, but, but also still, that's something, not something you can change right like no and and you know that's not why I got into yoga either I actually got yeah. into yoga because I had a naturopathic doctor in Toronto who suggested yin yoga for chronic pain and so I took her advice and started doing some yin yoga at home and kind of went from there. Now I practice different styles as well, but yeah, I think that like, you know, things that I also try to look for is like, or like, I guess when I think about myself as a yogi, I'm also not straight, right? I have a chronic illness. So I really do believe that yoga is really good for people who have disability or pain. It's not for everybody, but definitely can be incorporated and, um, and kind of like tailored to you as well so if you're you know again this is where maybe like one-on-one coaching or one-on-one yoga is more helpful and that you could then have someone who can actually create yoga that's you can do also like older people can really benefit from yoga or like I do chair yoga with my parents all the time oh my gosh one of my um, patients does chair yoga and she loves it so she's in her mid-70s she has like pretty bad osteoporosis um, so it's much more gentle for her yeah and she just loves it like she has a community mm-hmm. there and I had never even heard of it until she told me and I was like oh my gosh that's amazing yeah I started doing chair yoga when I had after I had hip surgery and I couldn't exercise I couldn't put any weight on that on the my left leg for like six weeks and I couldn't bend more than 90 degrees so I did chair yoga and if there was something that was like a bend I would just skip that part and sit in mountain pose or something but but I just found it was like way more adaptive that's the word I was looking for before adaptive Mm. which is great and then yeah my parents are in their 70s and 80s and they find it's good exercise and movement for them without you know while like taking into consideration how their bodies currently are Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, that's so awesome. I mean, I guess we like in kind of summarizing that yoga is not just the physical movement. So mm-hmm. as a way to get a workout in or a way to strengthen your body in terms of like your muscles, it's also a way to cultivate like introspection. So being mm-hmm. aware of your body, mindfulness, being aware of your thoughts while still connecting with your breath. So really being in your body which you could also say for other forms of movement too, if it, as long as you're intentional with it, like it doesn't really come yeah. by that you would just by chance connect with your breath and then be aware of what you're feeling inside. Like it has to be very intentional, I think, and it, but it could manifest in different forms of movement. 
Totally. I think that you could take some of this and apply it to like running or working out at the gym or walking or swimming, you know, like really like tons of different things. It's just that typically we don't do that. We're not very intentional about those things. And so, yeah, I think you're right. Like taking that idea of let's, let's be intentional regardless of what kind of my movement I'm doing. Um, and then maybe because yoga has that intentionality built in again to, to more of a degree, just because of how the yoga sutra is and, and kind of the, I'm losing the words, but the whole like essence mm. behind yoga, like maybe that's something you just like include in once uh, a week or once every two weeks, a purposeful self-study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it could be, it doesn't even be hard yoga either. It could just be what someone else would call stretching. <laughs> you know, there's lots of beginner yoga out there. That's great. And, you know, it, I will sometimes do beginner yoga just because I'm like, oh, I just want it to be a little easier. I don't want to challenge myself as much today or I've done, yeah. done a big workout already. And I just want, you know, to do the movement because because of the connection to the body and some of the other things that I get out of it. And there's nothing wrong with doing beginner yoga. It's great. It's usually a little slower. You know, you're not doing anything that's super intense. Feels good. The other thing like I would really recommend is if anybody has a lot of anxiety or if you find your your very anti in yoga is to purposely try to do yin yoga because you're just holding poses for like three to five minutes. It is so in, in a sense, it's very boring because you're not doing right. a lot, but it also is interesting because it really allows you to quiet your mind to, to go inside a bit more. Yeah. It's a really, I really like yin yoga because it's, it is different. And that is the type of yoga I started practicing with. And I remember thinking like 15 to 20 minute classes were like so boring. And now I'm like, oh, I could do like 45 minutes. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so, and that just kind of shows you it's also a skill, right? That you kind of cultivate just like mm-hmm. how when you, people first start a meditation, three minutes is like a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> and then as you keep working at it, because you keep practicing it like a skill, it just becomes easier and easier to go for longer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or the other type of yoga, if you really want something that's very gentle, but also like you're not doing a lot is restorative yoga, like true restorative yoga. You're holding poses for 10 to 15 minutes. Holy. You're only doing three or four usually per class. And, you know, for an hour class, you might do four poses, Uh, but you're also using blankets and pillows and, you know, all these things to gently get into this pose. Wow. That is wild. (laughs) 15 minutes for a pose. Yeah. I would probably fall asleep, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes people do, right? So it's yeah. like, <laughs> it's Which very is fine too, right? That's also fine. Yeah, it, again, I think that's a memory he's a self-study of like, oh, wow, I must have been really tired to fall asleep in this pose. Totally, or I guess I'm so relaxed, whereas like yeah. you my day-to-day, I'm not relaxed. I'm always on the go. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, very cool. I'm really excited for your class. Thanks. Yeah, me too. I think that's so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Any other thoughts about yoga and kind of personal growth, Kelsey? I mean, I feel like I've talked a lot about how it connects to personal growth. Again, you know, this is not like everybody has to go out and try yoga by no means, nor is it for everyone. I just find it like a very, for me, I've, I've found it a very like fascinating route to more personal growth that wasn't even intended to be that way. But the more I learned about it, the more I've been able to use it in that that way, which is really cool, I think. Yeah, I think that kind of goes with most top, not mo- maybe like 
Yeah, I'm going to say most. Most topics that people explore, when you first know about it or hear, it's very superficial. But then as you go in more, like you learn more about it, you're like, wow, there's so many ways to take this. And that can be something as simple as, it's because my brother and I were just talking about this as like whiskey. He was like, you think it's just liquor, but he's like, there's so much to it. And I don't know whiskey, so I'm like, sure, I believe you. But the general principle, I think, applies to a lot of things. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah. And, and, you know, in terms of personal growth, studying yourself is really interesting. So interesting, which is why everyone journaling is the best because <laughs> you can write down all that embarrassing and like shameful stuff that you may think or feel right. That you don't want to tell other people because hopefully no one will ever see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or again, using meditation for that or yoga for totally. that or, you know, yeah, yeah. anything. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, everyone, thanks again for tuning in and we will chat with you next week. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much again for listening to today's episode. Make sure to connect with us on social media with your takeaways from the show, any questions you may have, and let us know what topics you're interested in. Your support means so much to us, so please subscribe to the show, rate and review if you enjoy it. We'll talk to you next week on Level Up Growth.